The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Riddlewire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, it seems like the world has turned upside down since the last time we talked uh, on this podcast. Um, how much things can change in a week? It's absolutely crazy. We don't have any baseball to talk about, but we will be any you know baseball, actual baseball to talk about. But we'll be talking about what we would have done in the main event last weekend had that draft gone down. Also spending a lot of time on what is one of the better things in my life right now, the hip-hop draft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thankfully, we have the hip-hop draft going so that, you know, I mean, this isn't even a contrived thing we came up with just because of the hiatus. Right. This is something we would have been doing anyway. So, um, yeah, that'll be – we might be able to get into a little bit more depth on, on some of those picks and in these episodes where we have not as much baseball to talk about, but uh, definitely have some – some ideas for for content uh here in the coming weeks uh that we're gonna try to work through um both on the site and then on the podcast but uh right now still kind of trying to get a get a handle of everything you know i mean it's there's just a lot of a lot of emails a lot of you know reaching out to to writers and trying to help people along and everything like that so um not a ton of brand new stuff to talk about but uh we will be able to go into a lot of depth about our plan for the main event since those leagues i think will if they do end up happening in 2020 i think they will probably be uh 
rerun in terms of the KDS. So I don't, I don't think we have a, a ton to kind of give away or, or you know, anything like that. Yeah, I'm not worried about spoiling the uh, master plan here. <laughs> uh, because I do think that, yeah, if, if it's a shortened season, valuations have to change a lot because those guys that you were really spending up for, those big workhorse guys, the Garrett Coles, the DeGroms, Buehlers, all those, they just won't have enough time, enough innings, enough games to be those outliers in fantasy that you um, bought them as. So I, I do think if things do end up going, uh, hopefully the season still ends up happening and these drafts still end up going down, um, I think the starting pitching may fall just because the the curve is flattened a little bit. Um, and I don't mean that in the reference in coronavirus. I mean like the, the outliers just can't be such outliers in a shortened season. Yeah, they're like if the, if say the guy that leads the league in innings had 125 innings or something like that, or or 100 innings or 90 innings, uh, there there's not going to be much of a gap at all between the top guy and like the 20th guy or the 20th guy and the 40th guy, right? Mm. Like, so it it totally makes a lot of sense that hitting or pitching would would fall, especially the pitchers who are kind of more in that, you know, like Kyle Hendricks, Zach Granke type of mold where you're not going to get those bulk strikeouts. You're just hoping to get the bulk innings with the really good ratios. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's just all kinds of stuff that would change. So yeah. nothing really to give away here. Yeah, by the way, our show is sponsored by Fantrax. And James, you mentioned we're going to have all kinds of content on the site still, hopefully provide a little bit of a distraction. Still doing this show, still doing Friday pod, well, pod every day. Um, you and I doing XM on Fridays and Saturdays. I'm going to be doing the MLB Network radio show still. So I'm um, still going to be talking a lot about baseball and a lot about some other things. I'll have to um, become a more interesting person. So I have some interesting things to talk about. <laughs> James, how are you making do, man? My head's kind of swimming here. Like, how are you staying uh positive at this point like how are you spending the time uh you know i i went uh with my wife uh up to the twin cities uh sunday through um sunday night monday night um stayed with some friends there didn't uh you know i thought I, i we were pretty responsible in terms of uh, distancing ourselves um, from That's good. Um, mass groups of people or anything like that, but uh, was able to kind of just unplug for a few days and uh, back, you know, today and was able to plug in Ian Khan's updated dynasty rankings to the site. So those are those are brand new uh, up there. Those went up before the show today. So I mean, this is. <laughs> I think there's going to be maybe a kind of oversaturation of, of people just sort of getting bored and starting dynasty leagues uh, during this time, <laughs> yeah. because I just think everyone just got all kinds of time on their hands and they just kind of want to get that, that fix, you know? So um, definitely check those out. If you're itching to, to do some trades or whatever, I mean, obviously there's, there's much more important things than baseball, fantasy baseball right now, but uh you know, if you're fortunate enough to just be looking for a distraction in this time, hopefully we got you covered. Yeah, absolutely. Our company president, Peter Shanky, said it best when you know he said on our 
uh, the thing he posted at the site that the fantasy implications pale in comparison to the real world events, obviously, you know, puts everything in perspective, but we're going to yeah, try to provide that distraction uh, until we get games again. We'll see when that happens, but trying to stay positive. I've been, you know, watching some movies, playing some vids. I've not, I've not busted out MLB The Show 20, but um, I know Paul Spore is all over that, and I, I'm thinking about getting my hands on it. I'm terrible, terrible at that game, though. Really bad <laughs> plate discipline. I have like 20-grade plate discipline in that. Uh, but a real quick note from our sponsor, Fantrax. Sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool, and if they don't have him, they will add them for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? Fantrax has you covered there with their treasure product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you all 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. All right, James, so what were we thinking here with this main event? We're picking 14th. I was able to talk you into Flaherty if he was there, but we both kind of figured he would not be. <laughs> well, you and I aren't aren't very optimistic, so you know maybe that would have just been our just – you know we're gonna get screwed in in the main event picking 14th sort of psyche coming into play there but uh yeah dream scenario would have been Juan Soto or Walker Bueller <clears throat> I don't think they would have been there I think we would have probably had maybe a 60 percent chance at, at Flaherty at 14 and then uh whether or not he was there would have really set a lot of different things into motion I think Ideally, if Flaherty had not been there, that would have meant that one of those guys that we didn't think would be there would have fallen to us. But, you know, just based based on our sort of aggregate rankings that we did, and you should never follow any sort of set of rankings for a fantasy baseball draft. Uh, just they're, they're more of a guide than anything you should be following strictly. But uh, just based on those guys like Nolan Arenado, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman would have been our best available. But I think that there would have been some complications involved uh, going that route. Uh, I mean, I think you could, you could pull it off going with those four category offensive anchors. If you catch some breaks that are out of your control later in the draft with speed guys making it to you starting pitching making it to you but in a room as sharp as the main event i think that you you have to be wary about uh just hoping that something's going to fall to you especially when it's the two things that get pushed up the most in starting pitching and and stolen bases yeah you go into the main event it's just a completely different world when it comes to starting pitching so while we had these plans laid out like best case walker bueller then you have in parentheses no chance it seemed like everyone our plans was like parentheses no chance because you know maybe in some rooms you could pull that off but 15 owners or 14 other owners putting up that kind of money doing that kind of research and really knowing their stuff it's um you have to be realistic about your plans and you know it's it's kind of a game of adp chicken sometimes market leverage 
but you have to really just think about yourself and not necessarily throw ADP out the window. Obviously, you're not going to do that, but you have to, to an extent, just wipe that ADP information from your brain a little bit. Um, so well, like, and, and just quickly, like if we, so just say, say we had just gone best available and say like we had ended up like part of the reason why I was just uncomfortable doing like a Nolan Arenado, Bryce Harper, first two picks type of thing is that then it gets back to you in the third and the fourth and you'd probably be tempted to go pitcher pitcher there. Um, I don't think there was like a speed guy that we were in love with that would have been there. And then all of a sudden you, you go pitcher pitcher there and then you're almost trapped in this thing where you kind of have to go speed speed in the fifth and the sixth round. And you probably, you're reaching like so hard on that, on that speed, like in those rounds. Cause guys like Victor Robles aren't going to be there. I mean, there's just, I mean, you would be basically trying to get like a Med Rosario in the fifth round or something like that. Um, so it, it just, every decision would just have a bunch of other, um, things where it would cause you to just chase more and more. So chasing a little bit with your first pick and your second pick, if it allows you to not chase in the ensuing rounds, I feel like that would have been, uh, ideal. Exactly. And, you know, you have kind of a theory as to why Fernando Tatis Jr.'s ADP where is where it is because, of kind of where we're picking in this thought process we were going through at the time. Because once you get to those big boppers, like the Arenado, JD, Bryce, uh, Freddie Freeman, and you're not getting that speed, when you try to project out a little bit further off in your draft, you're stuck in a, in a tough spot. So I think your theory was basically that Fernando Tatis Jr., people are jumping him here just because of that speed scarcity. Yeah, I, I just think that when you find yourself <clears throat> you planning for a draft where you're picking 14th or you're picking 15th, you just look at the player pool, and this is even more the case than it was back when there weren't really the same type of red flags that there were with like Scherzer or Verlander uh, health-wise. But like you look at the player pool, and it's basically if you want a speed guy when you're picking 14th or 15th, you're pretty much left to dis- decide between Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis, and like Starling Marte. Mm-hmm. Like uh, those are those are pretty much your options if you want a speed guy. And <clears throat> I think it just it's kind of counterintuitive to think of taking like I wouldn't take Starling Marte there. Uh, I know I know our friend Todd Zola is cool with it, and I I I get it. Um, but it just it seems to me it's seems like a little bit of a reach tatis to me it seems like just as much if not more of a reach uh i think we would have been probably okay with jose ramirez if we had to sort of pivot to a speed guy there but i could see why you would talk yourself into starling Marte or fernando tatis because it's it's one of the few guys that's kind of going in that range where you can kind of dream on the 25 steals and just getting that in the bag makes the rest of your picks so much easier because it's it's a tough spot um for speed guys like in the third round the fourth round the fifth Mm -hmm. round the sixth round like it's just that that turn is a tough spot to get good speed at a reasonable price uh it just seems like it's just not really going at the the, that turn spot so i i don't think fernando tatis it i don't think it's a smart 
play to take him there. Uh, but I sort of understand it just because of the options you're sort of left with at that at that position. Yeah, you know, in our aggregate rankings, we had Arenado 13th, JD, uh, Harper, Freeman. So those guys are more valuable in a vacuum. But, yeah, team building, I get why people are jumping him, uh, guys like Tatis up and Ramirez. And Ramirez, we kind of settled on if those aces were gone, he was going to be our guy just because he's done it several times. And he did finally kind of seemingly – turn that corner after some ups and downs there in 2018 then to begin 2019 but um yeah it was basically bueller flaherty or jose ramirez even though both of us have him you know i have him 19th you have him 17th just jumping him because of that speed factor yeah and we yeah we were pretty much aligned on his value and It just would it would have freed us up for so many other things, you know. Um, we could like ideally, I think we would have in a perfect world, like a reasonable world. I think we would have somehow been able to go Flaherty Ramirez with our first two picks. Uh, I think that would have been pretty unlikely, but if we had been able to do that, or even if we had gone Ramirez Bieber with our first two picks. Then in the third round, you have the freedom to go, like, say someone like Clayton Kershaw or you Darvish is there, then you can go with another pitcher. Uh, I'd mentioned the idea of maybe trying to go Flaherty Bieber at one, two, but then it's like you're not set up to take advantage of someone like Kershaw being there in the third round, and you kind of have to go hitter, hitter, and you have zero speed in the first place, so you're. You know what? Who knows what you end up doing at, at three and four um, to tr- sort of address those needs if you go pitcher pitcher. So I think ideally we would have been able to walk away with one of those, you know, Flaherty Bieber pitchers and then Jose Ramirez, and then that just gives you so much more freedom in the third round, the fourth round, and, and so on. Yeah, you know, if you're just in a standalone league or points league or anything that's not a roto league with an overall component, totally fine taking Arenado JD. But, yeah, when you box yourself into a corner like that and you're relying on the Tim Anderson, I like Tim Anderson, but we're relying on him and, like, the Rosarios to build your foundation, I think that's, like, a losing strategy because you're fighting an uphill battle. It's almost like what's the point at that point? But if you have a base in place by the time you get to those players, then you build on that base. And there's there's plenty of speed guys that I love and there's – speed guys that you love but we're talking about like six to eight guys exactly. between rounds like five and 12 you know and we sort of have our different guy like you you like victor robles a lot i like tommy edmund a lot uh-huh. we both we we definitely lined up on tim anderson and there would have been a point where we would have been i mean would we we, we might have been taking tim anderson in the fifth if he was there uh just, just because <laughs> I mean, just because of the fact that we both liked him and like he's one of those speed guys because if you um if you only have like six six to eight of those guys that are, are legitimate options um all, all it takes is for you to miss on you know half of them and you don't have enough speed at that point and exactly you know the fact that you're sort of co-owning a team you know you don't want to be um, taking someone that you're, you're super far apart on, you know, um, 
so I just, it, it's just all about that sort of flexibility in those middle rounds because, uh, I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of value to be had in those middle rounds as long as you don't have to chase certain categories. Exactly. I, I really do want to leave my options open. That's what I've been you know, trying to do in most of my drafts this spring. It's just, you know, I know Chris Liss, I have a lot of respect for Chris, but he says he doesn't think that's smart to you know, force it um, on the with early speed take the best overall values. I do, I do feel a little bit of a need to force it because as you said, there, there may be those six to eight players that we could kind of match up on who could contribute in that category. But how many of those guys are we going to have a realistic chance of drafting like two? And a lot of <laughs> them go, a lot of them go like right in the same area, you right. know, like, like Anderson and Rosario go in the same area. Lorenzo Kane and Byron Buxton go in the same area. Um, like, Ramon Laureano goes crazy high and he's not even like a 25 steel guy. Ramon Laureano's like an 18 steel guy and, and he goes super high just because of the, the steals that he provides. And uh, we weren't going to take like Luis Robert, um, like Gavin Lux goes in the same area as like Kane and Buxton. And um, I mean, you just, you just run out of guys in a hurry and you need to have like, four or five of those guys you can't just walk away with two or three of those guys yeah i think when you leave or when you go into a draft thinking well i'll just wait on this guy i'll wait and get this guy that's really playing with fire because if you don't get them then what are you going to do i just think it's attack 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 and then the most of the other categories aside from saves are, are plentiful you can be creative and make do but support for this podcast comes from u.s bank If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We talked about in the, you know, in the first, it was one of those aces, maybe Jose Ramirez. In the second, if we thought those aces were gone, and Ramirez, if we'd taken him, then we were thinking maybe, well, do we force up Biebs, Shane Bieber? Do we, do we force that issue? But we kind of thought... No, let's take a guy like Bryce Harper, slot him in, give us a little bit of a, a more of a speed base, and then hope. Yeah, Kershaw, Darvish is there in three. Yeah, do you think? So I like personally, I would have been fine with. Uh, I would have, I would have loved Kershaw in the third round. Honestly, like I would have, I probably wouldn't have done it. But if it was just me doing this by myself, like I would have even considered Kershaw maybe in the second round. Yeah, we um, talked about like, that. We talked about it. But like Kershaw, Darvish, I feel like in the main, I just wouldn't have been able to talk myself into thinking that those guys would have necessarily been there in the third. Um, they might have been, but I think with... Seems unlikely. The fact that like we're talking about like Flaherty and Bieber like at the turn, 
and the fact that Verlander and Scherzer weren't going there anymore. Um, I just think Kershaw and Darvish would have gotten pushed up into the into the thirties, and then like I guess I would have been okay with guys like Charlie Morton or Zach Granke uh, in that in that range, that that third fourth round range too. Um, but that gets sort of dicey too because the guy that I think was inevitably going to be our quote unquote best available in the third round was probably going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. If, oh, yeah. uh, if Kershaw and Darvish weren't there. And then it's like, if you start, if you start Jose Ramirez, Bryce Harper, can you take Vlad Jr. with your third pick and like still feel good enough about the pitching you're going to be able to get later on? I mean, that's, that's a tough call too. Yeah, it really is, man. And yeah, I, I would think, you know, if we're doing a draft right now, I would be totally on board with Kershaw early second because with a guy like that who we couldn't project for more than like 180 innings, if, you know, if Garrett Cole can't lap him in K's by pitching, you know, however many more innings, the gap between those top guys and Kershaw has shrunk even further. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking maybe Kershaw was there, parentheses, no chance. That was never happening. I thought Darvish maybe had a chance, maybe, but yeah, yeah, I thought Vlad was probably going to be our guy in the third. Um, did you have any ideas for the fourth? Um, well, assuming we only had one pitcher, I think I would have probably pushed for, for Morton. Uh, Morton or Granky, probably. Um, certainly not a lock that they would have been there either. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just there's not much in terms of. I mean, I would have been cool with probably any of the like Giolito, Corbin, uh, that whole group of guys like Castillo. Um, I would have let but, you talk me into Bo, but we probably would have well, forced another pitcher there. I I don't think we were getting Bo because yeah. I think I think you I don't think you can really get Bo picking at that turn. I think you need to be picking. Like I would guess that he would go kind of in the thirty to thirty-eight range in the vast majority of of main drafts, just because um, you can talk yourself into. Like I mean, he's basically kind of a poor man's Tatis, where you just you talk yourself into the power, speed, and sure, yeah. I mean, you have him a lot higher than I do. You have him thirty-fifth, so. Um, I'm, I'm, I have him outside my top 50 and, you know, I, I would have let you talk me into him, but I think you're right that especially in a contest like that, somebody would have really jumped him up. Uh, but after that, yeah, and James, then, oh, go ahead. Well, once, like once Bo's gone, I, like, honestly, like the next guys I have for, for speed are pretty much like Tim Anderson. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't think we, I don't think we could take him in the fourth. Uh, I mean, we could, um, you know, I, I think it would have probably been like, who's the best starting pitcher left. Um, yeah, I couldn't yeah. have done Anderson in the fourth, we, we would have gone pitcher there and then hoped Anderson in the fifth, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's tough, man. <laughs> either way, like none of these options are options that I, I like, you know, <laughs> like exactly. a, merging from those first five rounds, uh, even if we were able to go like Flaherty, Ramirez, Vlad, 
Morton Anderson. Like I would have, I'd have talked myself into it, but I just wouldn't have felt like that was like a league winning team, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's really hard from that 14th spot. You have to get, get creative and you can't just pick off values. You have to really and, think about what, what realistically you, is going to be available to you. What you said about like the, the standalone aspect is so huge. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this for like the main event. Um, if this was a standalone league, of course, like I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the best player available, like more often than not, especially early on, because it's not going to kill me if I finish like 12th in steals. If I, if I finish first in average home runs, RBI and runs, or, or at least top three across the board in those other four. Um, but you just can't, you can't really think like that. In, in the main event. Yeah, when so much of your entry is going to that, and that's the main goal, so you have to play to the, the overall aspect. And that's, I kind of hate that this has become like my thing, like know your rules, but um, just look at, read your constitution, read your rules, because I was doing Tout Wars head to head, and I, did, I probably didn't even tell you this, James. I spent 164 of 260 on starting pitching. <laughs> Because of the rules, I'm always trying to play to my format. It's a horrible brand to have developed, but hey, what a, it's what a, a winning brand. brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredibly it's boring brand, but it's it works. And you just have to, I mean, plug it into plug your settings into any software. The thing about Towers Head to Head was that it they changed it back to one point equals one out, so it's like three points an inning. Like, you know how many home runs a guy has to hit just to match guys going, like, six? It's crazy. Um, so I, I really went hard, went dollar days. I got Vlad Jr. and went stars and scrubs. But, um, James, we, we went plotted out several of our rounds for the main event, uh, the top five or so rounds. What were you thinking at closer? We didn't really get deep into the weeds with, with closer. <clears throat> yeah, closer is, is really tough uh, because of how much you're – you're focused on the speed and the starting pitching. Um, you know, my, I, my favorite closer, and I think he's been a value in, in the vast majority of my drafts is Roberto Zuna. But again, he's going right by, um, some speed guys. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta give something to get something. Um, yeah, I, I like, Ozuna, I like Edwin Diaz. I like Kenley Jansen. Um, If we're just talking about the price on those guys. uh, Yeah, I have Chapman ahead of Ozuna, but I think we would have matched up pretty well there. I've emerged out of some drafts, uh, some tougher drafts, where I've had to kind of like double tap uh, like Archie Bradley and Jose Leclerc or something like that and just kind of, you know, not something I'm extremely excited about, but you just kind of cross your fingers. I mean, you know that from that middle tier, you know, half those guys are going to lose their jobs at least. And you just kind of hope that you aren't stuck holding one or two guys that, that do lose their jobs. But um, I, I would have made a very, a very strong point of us getting out of the first 10 rounds with two closers, I think. I know you feel that way, and I've been advocating for that this year too, just because of the concentration of saves among those those top closers, and you know maxing out the value of that roster spot. 
But I've also thought, well, most success I've had was when I you know, got Blake trying in around 150 and then made do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking maybe we would have matched up on like Melance and Ian Kennedy, those yeah, types. Well, and, hey, we, we would have. We would have. Uh, I just – I wonder where uh, – Melanson actually might have been one where we could have gotten him but you can't, outside of the first you can't 10 rounds. can't expect those I, things though, you know? Yeah, like Ian Kennedy I've seen go – I've seen him go pretty high in some drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I think a lot of people talk about just kind of knowing your skills as a drafter. Uh, finding dirt cheap saves at the – towards the back of a draft is probably what I'm worst at, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm much better at finding some starting pitching gems or some like hitters who are going to hit like 265 with 27 homers, like guys like that I can find in those later rounds. Uh, whereas I just, I rarely have, had success finding the the dirt cheap closer late in the draft i feel like i usually either hit on the guys i take in the first 10 to 12 rounds or i'm left just sort of chasing it on the waiver wire all season yeah i've had a couple but it's they're few and far between and yeah it's <clears throat> you can't put a price on it. you can't quantify it really but not having to chase saves you probably could quantify it but not having to chase saves and actually spend your money elsewhere and just having that balance you know not leaving knowing well i don't have a chance unless i do this like you you want to keep your options open and i think balance in a in an overall contest is so key i may you know just in a league like this with a ton of sharks um i could see us maybe only getting one in the first 10 rounds but then we could figure something out you know i um as i mentioned kennedy any other late closers that you were eyeing up because i i, I know it's stupid but i was looking at hunter harvey um, I, I wouldn't have minded that, <clears throat> um, you know, Melanson's a guy, uh, the, you know, I, I've ended up with Daniel Hudson in a decent amount of leagues. It's just like kind that, of a, yeah. just a lottery ticket of like, well, maybe Doolittle's just cooked or something. Um, yeah, you Hirano, know, maybe. I don't hate like Tony Watson or Hirano. Yeah. Um, I mean, those guys. Gross, though, but especially when you have to dabble in those those tiers, it's like yeah, and like hoping to get something. I mean, you, I like Brandon Kinsler's always pretty cheap, but like Emi Garcia's, he had a good spring, so I don't, I don't know how much I like that. I mean, I I've ended up with Corey Knebel in like all of my draft and hold leagues, uh, but he's not. He's a tougher guy to to wait on in a in a fifteen team. Uh, seven reserve spot mm-hmm. type of situation. So I might have tried to talk you into Gallegos, but I like part part of my brain would have wanted you to talk me out of it too. Well, um, I I would have been able to. You could have talked me into any of those guys. Like I, you might not have been able to talk me into like Craig Kimbrell, but uh, pretty much any of those <laughs> other guys going in that range. I wouldn't uh, have tried to. Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, Gallegos just sort of seemed to be like the last man standing. So it's just you know, who else is it going to be? And like, what, why would we think it's going to be somebody else? Um, I don't know. I I would have been able to be talked into that. I just think Gallegos is is one of those guys where by the time the main event draft happened, I feel like he probably starts going 
around like his min pick, you know? Yeah, for sure. He probably, you're probably not getting a discount on him and we still don't know if he was going to be the closer even to begin with. So, uh, I do want to give Jason Collette a shout out because he, he mentioned Richard Lovelady in his, I think it was an AL Central Bold Predictions months ago. And I was like, who, who? And, uh, he had a really nice spring throwing gas too. So I didn't remember, you know, I like Kennedy, but, uh, Lovelady's a guy to at least keep in the back of your mind for later this season. James, I decided to cancel the, uh, or at least postpone the Rotowire Stake League auction. What do you think? Do you think this is the right call? Do you advise people who still have their, Drafts or auctions lined up to to postpone for now. I thought it was the right call for that specific league. Um, Quite a bit of money on the line, yeah. Yeah, that. I mean, there's, you know, what is there like a seventy five dollar buy in, but then, uh, half, the bottom half of the league ends up spending around two hundred bucks on the steak dinner at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could, I mean, you could think about it as like a hundred of that dollars is stuff that you're consuming at the dinner, but, uh, basically works out to about a $200 buy-in for the, the bottom half of the league. And it's also a, what, like close to like a five hour ordeal to do that, that draft. Um, yeah, and then the reserves. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty big time commitment with a lot on the line and a lot that's kind of in flux right now. Uh, so I think it makes more sense like if, if you're doing sort of a low stakes league uh, where it's, you know, most of it's just for fun and, and you're, yeah, you could win some money, but it's not life changing money or anything like that. And you guys are just looking for a distraction. I think that that's fine. I mean, I, I did a draft on uh, Saturday uh, in a league where I'm only putting up $50 Um and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I had a lot of fun drafting with, with some online with some college friends. And so I, I wouldn't talk anyone out of doing a draft. If it's something you're really looking forward to, you, you just want to make it happen. I mean, you know, there's a worst case scenario here where none of us play any of this out. Yeah. And so if you really just love the draft and you want to make that happen, uh, at least if you draft now, you won't have to worry about just not drafting at all. But, um, I thought for the stake league auction, I thought you made the right call. Well, that's good. I was torn because, as you said, it, you know, I did one on Sunday, so you know, it was a nice distraction. It, it you know, perked me up, and I know a lot of people are saying, you know, don't. They weren't saying this to me, but I've heard on the radio and podcast people say, you know, keep your draft. People need this this distraction, something fun. But yeah, I felt like there was just too much on the line, money wise to have the draft now and then you know say short season gets cut in half i think you draft a lot differently if the if it's a lot shorter season as we talked about so i just figured the quite a bit of, of money riding here i don't want to do this if, if they wanted their their entry feedback i'd send it to them still hope to have the league but we have we'll have months to reschedule if it um you know assuming that there are games we'll have plenty of time to reschedule and uh just push that back now, but I'm with you that if you if it's kind of low stakes, you can just kind of have fun with it, go go forth. But if you have any real uh, you know, money writing on the line, I think it's best and to avoid any issues down the road having to redraft. That'd be a nightmare to draft, and then your league votes to like redraft. That would be terrible. And, so, and there's just so much uh, 
I, you know, I think what, part of the reason why you and I love fantasy baseball so much is that it's it's really a game of skill. Uh, right. There, there's some luck involved, but um, you know, I think we all want there to be as much skill involved as possible. And there's certainly cases for doing those early drafts. And when, if you think you know the player pool better than most people, you can get a leg up doing those. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm always for kind of reducing the amount of luck involved in a league, especially a high stakes league, because, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm not that big into fantasy football is like, you can just get, super unlucky <laughs> right yeah and if somebody you know if i went into it and like i'm gonna draft for you know a half a season then somebody else is drafting for 162 and you know my strategy works like i i don't think that'd be the way to win in fantasy so i'm with you you know strip the luck out keep um you know whatever you decide for your draft but i i made the decision to postpone that one james we'll move on to the hip-hop draft uh just to recap things here through four rounds you um had the first pick and went with Ghostface. i was very sad about that but i followed up with nas as my first round pick then at the one two turn i uh, followed up with raekwon then you went with notorious big i caught some flack for that but i stand by it uh i appeased the crowd a little bit with tupac actually you took rakim then i took tupac and then i took rizza for a producer spot and you took Lil Wayne for a Lil Wayne for a dirty south spot, and that's important to know. Is we're not just taking taking guys, not just a straight draft. We actually have we actually have roster spots to fill. Right, and I would not the the first one where I kind of deviated. Uh, well, I mean, there's 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 a decent amount of strategy involved here where. Uh, there's guys where I just know you're not going to draft them, so I know I can wait a little bit. But then, mm. like, I just – there aren't a ton of Dirty South guys where I would have been pumped to have them in there, and Lil Wayne's one of them. And I don't know when you would have taken him, but I sort of figured you might be in, a, in on him at some point. So I just kind of wanted to fill that spot and uh, lock yeah. up uh, an, an elite talent player in one of my Dirty South spots. I actually really grew to regret that because I got, in, I got down the Lil Wayne rabbit hole a little bit. I actually want to change my answer for Best Wayne album. I still love the Carter one, but I actually think 500 Degrees is better. Have you listened to 500 Degrees? It's of unreal. course. It's unreal. 500 Degrees. I, 500 Degrees and, uh, and Carter one kind of blend together a little yeah. bit for me. It's kind of um, that same. I think they were released very close together. But, um, yeah, that something about 500 Degrees, just something on his shoulder in that one just – Unreal. But James, you are back up on the clock. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, this is, um, yeah, I mean, these are all tough calls. I think I'm going to fill a 19, my 1980s spot. Oh, wow. Uh, there's, you know, I think it's a pretty shallow position. Uh, a lot of guys got their start in the 80s, but I, I think most of those guys are more known for what they did in the 90s. Uh, I'm going to go with Chuck D in my Ooh, 1980s yeah. spot. That's a good one. That is a good one. Do you hear that Flavor Flav got fired from from Public Enemy? Like recently? or Yeah, just like <laughs> – 
Uh, let me. I'm looking I, this up I, because I guess hmm. I wouldn't have known that he wasn't already fired from Public Enemy. So Public <laughs> I Enemy. I would have just assumed. <laughs> Yeah, you'd assume they'd fire their hype man long ago, but no, Public Enemy, this March 1st, fire Flava Flav after Bernie rally, Bernie Sanders rally spat. So there you go. Huh. Um, that's a good pick, though. Chuck D is unreal. I think really all those Public Enemy albums hold up and actually almost age like fine wine, not just hold up. Yeah, no, I think that's the... That's like the key thing to me is that, um, like, I don't think Run DMC holds up at all. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think there. like I don't think LL Cool J really holds up. Uh, I think Public Enemy really holds up, and I think it's because the the Bomb Squad, like the beats, were just so sort of uh, ahead of their time to where it just it, you know, it, it just sort of sounds like it's about eight years newer than they actually are um and yeah i agree i mean there aren't they don't really have any bad albums uh i think that they were definitely coming from the right place um with what they were trying to get across and probably one of the more like uh, rock Kim obviously got uh you know his style got copied a lot and people use his lines lines a lot i think public enemy uh, Chuck D specifically, like he gets copied, you know, left, right, and center. And I, I bet a lot of people don't even realize that it that someone's copying Public Enemy. Like especially like younger listeners, like might not even realize um, who they're exactly. paying homage to with, with stuff. Exactly. So much of hip hop is you know paying homage to, or just jacking a beat straight up, just stealing a beat, <laughs> and that's fine. But I think you know I was like that too. I think it was. Pharaoh Monch's album, it had uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome. And I was like, oh, seven. And then I really got into Public Enemy, like, after that. So, like, after finding out about the, you know, ripped-off version, however you want to put it, the homage, um, it led me down that, yeah, the uh, Public Enemy, Enemy rabbit hole, and I appreciate that. What would you say? I still have It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back in My Car, but what would you say, that or Fear of a Black Planet or another choice for best public enemy album oh man um i've been listening to a lot of the like spotify playlists that have um you know stuff from all their albums on it um because i i didn't it's not like i was listening to i was like three years old when fear of a black planet came out and i was one year old when so obviously I, i wasn't i wasn't listening to these when they came out um I I think Fear of a Black Planet probably, um, but I lean the other way. They, but it's very they, close. They really spread around their like best songs. I feel like every album has like a similarly stacked uh, track list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like and the, the pick, one. Man. I like the pick. The one I'm gonna do for. Uh, my song is going to be Brother's Going to Work It Out. Hell yeah, that's a great one. Um, hopefully, you know, Chuck D and Flav can work it out. Get back yeah. on stage together. I mean, Chuck, <laughs> You're not Chuck even... D seems like Chuck D seems like a pretty patient guy. Yeah. Um, it's actually think... amazing that they lasted to 2020, this uh, working group. 
That's a good one. I I'm gonna have to figure it out in the 1980s slot. I actually I, I think I have a good one, but and actually the guy I could uh, would have taken today could have filled that slot, but I've decided to pivot and alter my my choice this week. I told somebody that I wasn't gonna let uh, Slick Rick fall past the you know past spring training. <laughs> yeah, but. And so this would be the last week I could take him and still technically, I guess, fall in that range. But I'm going to fill, and this will qualify as a Dirty South spot, I'm going to take Big Boy of Outcast. Okay. Right. I, I put my foot down, and I'm going to say that Big Boy is the better member of Outcast, and I'm going to say that it's not close. Okay. Um, okay. I like Andre 3000, but... Something about Big Boy, he just never really has a bad verse. And when I'm thinking about what I like to do with this downtime I have right now is picture all these guys are drafted on the same RZA-produced track. <laughs> and um, I don't think I've ever heard Big Boy on a RZA track. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, the idea of that really made me smile. And thinking about all the great Outkast songs, maybe I'll get Andre down the road, maybe I won't, but... I wanted to secure Big Boy on the team. Uh, my t- track that I'm going to go with him is kind of a newer track, really good one, featuring George Clinton. Have you heard this one, James? For Your Sorrows? For Yo Sorrows? Oh, that's a good song. Yeah, really yeah, good song. That's, a, that's a, <clears throat> an awesome song. Love that song. Love George Clinton's part in that, too. It's just so funky, you know. I love oh, the yeah. funk, and I love Big Boy. He, you know, Stankonia, one of my favorite albums, Aliens. I just thought, you know, if I had to pick one member, it is Big Boy, you know, Snap Call. Yeah, I mean, we're there's a lot of a lot of talent starting to come off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I know I knew of your Big Boy uh, over under three thousand take, and I i don't know if i like have a favorite uh i just i like them both a lot to end yeah. together uh but i also knew that i could definitely wait on andre 3000 in this draft <laughs> yeah you knew that coming <laughs> in and i'm not trying to denigrate andre 3000 he's great but i just like big boy's style a lot more like andre's a little you know he's flamboyant he kind of like singy he's got like some singy songs and big boy's just Straight to the point, really f- fresh, and um, just the man. So that'll be my pick. I've got my team so far, Nas, Raekwon, Tupac, RZA in a producer slot, and then Big Boy. James rocking with Ghostface, Killa, um, Notorious B.I.G., Rakim, Lil Wayne, and Chuck D. I feel I have some ground to make up, but um, I like my team. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think we're both after a really good start. Yeah. I think – I know somebody was asking like weekly polls. Maybe we'll have to get some weekly polls going um, just to give uh, ourselves something to do. But uh, and we're <laughs> definitely going to have some polls at the end of this so you can vote on who is the best team. Thanks, by the way, to Andrew Redding for, as always, adding these songs to the Spotify playlist. Uh, really a great friend of the show. So we appreciate that. And we thank you all for listening be back next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.